Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I am here with a solo pod on the 212th degree. So uh, I want to kind of get into this. The 212th degree is a metaphor, but what's got me thinking about this recently is a string of client projects that we've been helping out with. And it's always very interesting to see when people have something that we're getting assistance with, and we're not necessarily the ones that are dictating the terms. There's kind of a cool little split test that's built into that. Um, And what I'm talking about in the most case is in-person events. We've been running some things for estate planning clients around the country lately. Um, Seems like, and just FYI, if, uh, if you haven't heard the memo, in-person events are back, baby. We are in full swing in a lot of different states for this stuff. Um, but it's interesting because some of these we're providing direction for on how to set these up and others we are building into an existing structure. So we get to see how these things play out at different levels. But um, I think it's an apt opportunity to discuss uh, this metaphor. And this is something that I'd originally seen on – it's kind of funny. It was one of those like super cheesy uh, you know, impact font um, – little like motivational posters that they had in offices. And, uh, you know, despite being really cheesy, I thought it was a pretty good metaphor. And this is something I'd originally seen in um, a financial advisor who happened to be the uh, president of the BNI chapter. I was in back in New York years ago. Really, really good guy. But anyway, um, it was on the 212th degree. And here's the here's the metaphor. So if you have water and you're boiling it, it doesn't turn into steam until you hit the 212th degree Fahrenheit or hundredth degree Celsius if you are outside of the United States. And it doesn't matter if you get it up to 205 or 210 or 211, all that heat, all that effort, all of what's gone into that will not pass the tipping point if it doesn't get past that 212 degree. So a lot of uh, ways that you can kind of look into this, this guy was a financial advisor and he built a huge book of business from cold calling. So, you know, it's a lot of this time in the sales context is that one more call, that one more follow-up kind of situation. But I think there's a lot of application for this, and I'm going to start off with the example of the 212 degree in marketing, specifically for um, estate planning stuff, right? So in general, this is something that I see, and the thing that's really interesting about an event is that there's there's definitely a tipping point for what makes a seminar event actually work out. So if you have an event that goes 100% well, everyone knows what that looks like, but no one wants to be at an event that works out 50% well. Um, it's almost worse to have an event that has 50% turnout than an event that doesn't happen at all because then you have people that are coming and then you're, you're not really having that great Wizard of Oz effect by being the person because you've got kind of an empty room. You can see, well, what the heck am I doing here? There's almost a reverse social proof element to not being able to fill an event completely. And there's I'm going to kind of illustrate a couple of these different things and, and using this specific example, I've also just seen this happening. And again, like I said, uh, somewhat jokingly, if, if you guys haven't missed the memo, events are back. But um, there's a lot of people, again, like any other form of marketing, there's people that are doing this really well, and there's people that are doing it really poorly. And, you know, there's some advice that's going out that I definitely don't agree with. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting being uh, exposed to some of these things from these different sources. But anyway, When we're talking about a local event, the biggest component and what ends up being the biggest cost is what it takes to get the butts in seats. So um, I want to kind of start with a premise here that is we're going to assume that there's some sort of a paid element to get butts in seats. Not that that's the only way. There's always the, you know, leveraging uh, OPA, other people's audiences and, you know, reaching out to, you know, church group listservs and your, you know, stag club and lions club and 
I don't know, Freemason society, whatever people do these days to, to get in front of other people's audiences. But um, when we're talking about the situation where you're going to be investing your money instead of your time into getting an event filled, um, typically this is going to be happening in the form of direct mail or some sort of a you know advertisement, print, digital, whatever, right? So that is the biggest cost. And that is something that you cannot avoid spending because you're not going to have anyone at your event if that ends up happening. So if we take that as a given, the options that I've seen people that prevent them from reaching the 212th degree are going to be skimping out on the other things. So something that I see that uh, way too much these days, and we've actually seen this uh, for you know events that we've run for clients over the years, right? The quality of uh, and I hate to use the term bait to get people in makes a huge difference in how many people show up and who ends up showing up. Um, going back to just kind of marketing 101, you know, you can't have great promotion with a cruddy offer, right? And if the offer is listen to me talk about this legal topic and it's all estate planning stuff that we're doing right now, but it could be any form of legal marketing. If you're getting somebody to drive across town to, you know, drink cranberry juice in a church basement, that's a very, very different offer than if you're going to put on a nice event with a surf and turf dinner at a steakhouse. You're going to have more people that are going to respond to the nice dinner than you're going to have responding to you know the, the church basement cranberry juice thing, right? And at the end of the day, if you're spending money on the direct mail or the ads or the newspaper advertisements regardless – then you're going to have a much lower response. Your actual cost per person who's going to show up to your event will be much higher because less people want to do it if you cheap out on the food. And this is one of those penny smart pound foolish things. Maybe it's going to cost you, you know, if we're going super crazy. And again, this is, you know, these are numbers that we're using from pretty high end events. You know, if you're going above $40 a plate, that's, that's pretty rare outside of like, you know, super tier one cities and really, really nice restaurants. $50 a plate is a pretty high number. So if it's even 30 or 40 bucks down to zero, if your cost per lead could easily go from 50, a hundred to 200, like, you know, let's just, let's just use easy numbers, right? If, if, you know, the steak dinner is four times as attractive and you're getting a person on, on you know, with $50 worth of direct mail and $50 in terms of cost, it costs you a hundred dollars to get that person. If you can save 50 bucks by serving them cranberry juice or, you know, maybe 48 or something like that, but one out of five people ends up doing it, it's going to cost you 500 bucks to get the person. And I'm, I'm just pulling these numbers out of nowhere, except for the actual cost of the food. But just like, you know, it's, you can pay way more in the cost of what you ended up getting that person there by skimping out on what you're going to do. Um, another thing too, we've seen is, like I said, the venue, if you're going to have something that's going to be in a church basement or you know, your conference room or something, that's going to be less attractive than going out to a restaurant. Again, the restaurant costs something, but it's going to cost more in terms of the actual cost of getting people in divided by, you know, what you're going to be getting in terms of the people that turn out. And then finally, uh, one of the other ones that I, I see, this is kind of subtle and not a lot of people know this one. So this is a tip if you guys haven't done this before, but trying to fill an individual event is going to be less expensive than putting multiple events on. But multiple events are not only going to increase the total people that show up, it's actually going to have a higher pull in terms of the people that show up because percentage-wise, there's more people that are going to be available on one of three or four or five than on one event that you're putting it. So basically all these different things, um, I think they're these, these penny-smart, pound-foolish situations that are preventing people from hitting the critical mass that it takes to really have success in an event. And what's probably going to happen? If things don't end up working out, um, I'll tell you this from having worked with hundreds of different law firms and hundreds of different businesses over the years, most people aren't probably going to think that this was you know, their fault, right? They're going to say, oh, man, you know what? 
Uh, I knew it. Events are, are dead. Uh, you know, let me just go find a bunch of people to uh, to gripe about. I'll go to the bar with all the other people that have been uh, doing referrals for the last 40 years, and they're going to reconfirm all my fears that it's the recession and it's COVID coming back and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, we all know that's not true. And I can tell you, you know, objectively that there's people that have been minting cash on events for the last couple months. Um, but again, uh, people will find evidence to support all theories, right? So that's a marketing example, right? If we do not put enough into the total system and we don't hit that tipping point, we can have everything that we spend up to that point be for nothing, right? Um, and there's a lot of situations here, like, again, I'm just using marketing as a situation. Um, one of the things, I mean, we, we've had a little bit talking about hiring, right? Um, if we have a situation where you've got a little bit of budget and you want to hire somebody part-time, sometimes this makes sense to save a little bit and hire somebody full-time because you're not going to get somebody who's working five hours a week to think about the problems they're facing in your business when they're in the shower, right? Um, same thing with niching, right? You can't go halfway into being all in on one area. Like, you know, there's, there's no benefit to going from general practice to 50% estate planning, right? It's like, you know, you're going to take a little bit more. You're not going to be an expert until you really, you know, sever the ties and go 80 or 100, well, not even 80, like 100% is the way to go, right? Or I only serve this kind of client, all these different things. You, if you half step, you lose everything, right? It's just, you have to be super realistic about what's the you know, minimum effective dose in this stuff. And I'll be the first to say there are situations that, like, I guess, like at least from um, a principal's perspective, are, are seemingly in contrast to this, right? One of the things that I talk about a lot in the show is fire bullets, then fire cannonballs. And if you have the situation where you can take a smaller shot, uh, it makes sense not to commit the resources until you understand what it is. But the real caveat here is you have to get real about what the minimum effective dose is. You can fire bullets before you fire cannonballs, but you can't, you know, uh, fire a bullet with uh, 25% of the, the gunpowder that you need to get out of the gun. It's just going to drop out and you know, nothing's really going to get hurt, right? Um, really mixing metaphors here. But basically, this is something that you have to do. And, and I'll also say this too. This is something that I've seen. Um, I'm kind of reluctant to call this like a, a sleazy sales tactic, but one of these situations is that there is benefit and if you want to kind of think about the game theory of uh, selling marketing services or, you know, recommending as a coach, there's a big benefit in not having to recommend somebody go all in on something, right? You can say, oh, well, hey, look, you know, you uh, trust me, you don't need to do this. Just, you know, talk to your, <laughs> get a church, get, get, you know, get a bunch of Kool-Aid, start mixing up that cranberry juice and you're going to be good to go. It's going to cost a fraction of the cost or, you know, Honestly, realistically, probably, you know, less than a fraction. You know, if you're saving 25% to get nothing, right? So there's a lot of situations where people want to do this. Or, you know, I, I used to see this all the time in ads. Hey, you don't need to spend that much on ads. Or you don't need to spend that much on SEO. Install this plugin. It's going to be 125 bucks a month or like that. And then, you know, this is the thing. It's really easy to buy into that. It's, it's a good narrative. Um, I think the back end of a lot of these recommendations is basically flying under the radar. If you have something that doesn't really require a huge investment, sometimes people will let that you know $125 per month SEO plug-in sit on their balance sheet for, for three years. And that's a decent customer lifetime value for some of these companies, right? Uh, it's doing nothing. It's costing nothing, right? Um, but you have to be aware of this because sometimes the people who are going to be recommending these things to you are not speaking your interest when they're making the recommendations of what it really takes. Um, it's much harder to tell people that it's going to take a lot. 
because then they might say no. Or and then this is kind of the worst situation. I have seen this happen in the marketing world. This happens in the legal world too. If you say, look, you know, um, you're in a divorce. This litigation could cost twenty, thirty thousand dollars, depending on how aggressively they want to pursue this. There's always going to be some guy who's going to say, yeah, it's going to be you know five hundred bucks, no contest, and you know we're good to go. And if the person isn't being super realistic with themselves, maybe they'll go with that guy and they'll get screwed, right? So. Um, not to get into too much of a rabbit hole about sales ethics and, and, you know, the need to have persuasion ability that can tell people the truth. Right. But it's just something to watch out for. I would say if you have the situation where something seems too good to be true, and I'll, I'll just go back to the, uh, the example of the events for, for a minute, like, you know, think about what the people that you want to compete with are doing, right. Are the biggest seminar firms in your town running stuff at steakhouses? Or are they running them at, at, at church basements? Right. Uh, are they going to be putting this on in their conference room or are they going to be doing it um, at a place that has, you know, event center with a projector and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, just be honest about what's actually working there too because sometimes the people we're trying to recommend it to aren't, you know, really – they're not trying to have a hard conversation, right? Um, there can be motivations for this. Sometimes they don't even know they're trying to avoid a hard conversation. But um, anyways, uh, that's pretty much it, guys. So I want you to think about where you might be doing this in your business, in your life. Where are you close but not investing enough? Um, Where are the small points of leverage that if you can invest just a little more, it will be a tipping point to make everything work? And again, uh, I'm not going to get too prescriptive on this, but it's it's an interesting lens to look at some things. Uh, If you guys have issues that are happening in your business right now, try that lens on for size and see if it works out. Um, so that is basically it, guys. Uh, I'll, I'll play us out with a little bit of Big Daddy Kane, Ain't No Half Step, and I'll see you guys la- next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast.